Listening Dog Media. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The offside rule. We get it with Lindsay Hooper, Haley McQueen, and Kate Bosset. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule podcast. It was St Patrick's Day at the weekend, and all of us decided not to wear our green outfits. Instead, Haley McQueen was working a colossal shift over the weekend. Yep, in at Sky Sports for ten hours throughout Sunday. Oh, the joy! But there was lots of football to watch, so it was fine. And Formula One as well, of course. Yes, um, you were working as well, Sky News, in Kate. Yeah, Friday and Saturday night. So I had the pleasure of coming straight in off the back of that defeat of England by Wales in the rugby. It was a bit of a horror show. Fair play to Wales, though. They did really, really well. But what a shocking defeat for England. Just moving away from the football completely. But, yeah, um, lots of good football to talk about as well, though. And I was reporting for TalkSport on Derby versus Leicester, which was a big East Midlands derby, the 98th East Midlands derby between these sides in the league. And it was Derby that came out on top. It looks now like Leicester slowly slipping down the championship table. One that I tipped for potential automatic promotion quite a few podcasts ago. And now I'm thinking not so much. Well, I tipped Middlesbrough a few weeks ago, didn't I? <laughs> Look what's happened to them. Crashed and burned the Teesiders. Oh. Indeed. Well, this is what we've got coming up. We are talking uh, this week. Topic number one, a bit of a reaction from the weekend. Of course, Manchester United, with Manchester City being beaten by Everton, have a 15-point margin. Haley, you must be happy with that. Delighted, yeah. I think it's great. Makes a bit of a difference to last season at a similar stage when United thought they'd won the title, that's for sure. Well, we are issuing a warning here at the Offside Rule podcast. Don't get carried away, Hayley McQueen or Manchester United, because sometimes you can be out in front, an unassailable lead as it looks, and then it can all capitulate. So we're going to talk about teams that have been out in front, that have slipped and maybe not finished where you expected them to. Uh, Also, our second topic is going to be looking at three players from abroad any three players I'm going to give you as much money as you want both of you and you can buy three players and bring them in 
to the Premier League. You can assign them a Premier League side. You can tell me why you're choosing them. Uh, but we're going to pick our favourite players. Uh, also, uh, we'll have our Twitter topic of the week, which I am saying through gritted teeth this week because this has been suggested by the lovely Kate Borsay, my very good friend. Normally, Lindsay's in charge of Twitter topic of the week, but she took a little bit of a few hours break yesterday and I got myself in there quick as you like and established an excellent Twitter topic of the week inspired by quite a goal. An own goal, isn't it? <laughs> And it'd be a Wolves' own goal by any chance. Possibly. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, I'll just let you get on with that and I will read out the responses as I see them. And finally, we're talking footballers' hidden talents. I didn't know there were so many out there. Oh, you've got to hang on and listen to this whole podcast. If you started listening and you think, oh, I can only maybe delve in for 20 minutes, keep listening because this is funny. I have some good ones. <laughs> OK. Uh, well, remember, we're out every Thursday at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter. We've got a Facebook page and we're available on on SoundCloud and via iTunes, which I noticed, ladies, were shooting up the charts. Exciting. Exciting stuff. Um, we've had photos today as well. We should reveal that. We've, we're actually all very glam at the moment. I'm revealing a little bit more than I usually do um, because we've had some Offside Rule Pod photos courtesy of one of our makeup friends. Yes, uh, I hope we look okay. And then we're all sat here with about six inches deep of makeup on our faces. It's going to be coming off very soon. Hayley needs to recreate the noise that she did that made us laugh oh, no. in order for us to get that one snap. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. That is what was going on in that picture when you get to see it. And we will mark the Offside Rule podcast this week with a little fact. I can't believe this happened a year ago. And it was this week that Fabrice Moamba died for 78 minutes on a football pitch. He's then recovered, he's married and he's expecting a second child. What an incredible story and turnaround that was. And I did want us to mention that before we delve into topic number one. Yeah, it is... It's one of those things where we're told at Sports News there are some words that you just use too often that you shouldn't use. Unbelievable. We should never use that word. That's for Chris Kamara. But this is just truly unbelievable. And just, yeah, thank the Lord that he is still with us and that we didn't see a death on the football pitch and hope that that never actually happens because of um, the situation that he was in has uh, bettered the facilities and, and things to do with a heart monitoring, particularly lower down the leagues. Yeah, lower leagues. I saw today that the British Heart Foundation and the FA joint collaboration, there's going to be like 900 defibrillators or something like that available to non-league football. All these steps to make sure that that never, ever happens again, which is important. Um, we will have Rhiannon as well with our La Liga Roundup, but let's go on with topic number one. So from the weekend, Hayley, I think you're the place to start here because Manchester United out in front, 15 points clear. So many pundits and different people talking, saying it's all done and dusted. It's, it's concluded now. But we want to give a word of warning and no better word can come from you, I don't think, because I know which one you're, you're picking. Because I always big up Manchester United, and of course I'm behind the team that I worked for for years, and another reason my dad played for them, and I'm quite proud of that. I'll just, I'll just mention that. That is why I follow Manchester United and was born in Manchester as well. But pff, last season, oh my goodness, what went wrong? Did you like my post-Cheltenham noise there like a horse? <laughs> Poof. Yeah, United were eight points clear. They beat QPR. It was 2-0. City... Lost to Arsenal. It was uh, neck and neck in terms of how many games were left. The goal difference wasn't looking good for Manchester United. Didn't think it was going to come down to that. My goodness, it did. In just two weeks, United blew away five crucial points. Manchester City... Um, were to eventually go top. And, of course, we know what happened on that Derby day. I watched it split screen. It was just 
It was just like a horror story in front of my eyes. I remember Fred Doan of Betfred had actually paid out on Manchester United winning the title. He's already done that now. And somehow I don't think the points difference at the moment is going to change. I think United have pretty much got the title in the bag. But last season, let it be a lesson to anyone, even under Sir Alex Ferguson, even with the players who've been in that situation before, it can still go wrong. Well, you've gone for a very current one just last season. I'm going to pitch in here with mine because it's so old. We're going back to the 80s. In, in fact, the year, uh, two years before I was born, 1980 to 81. I've given away my age now. I didn't want to do that. Um, Ipswich Town. Um, I've picked Ipswich a couple of times for different topics. But, of course, they were one of the big sides. Why's that? Um, probably Mick McCarthy. <laughs> Can I just say Mick is Lindsay's old man crush? I love Mick McCarthy. Um, Ipswich Town. So they looked to have the upper hand in the 1980-81 season. It was a two-horse title race. Get this, with a Midland side... Aston Villa, when they used to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, And in the final weeks, they lost seven of their last ten games um, and finished four points in the end behind the villains. So Aston Villa victorious. Uh, Bobby Robson was the manager at the time. Now, his side were taking on and competing for three lots of silverware, which was what was cited as the reason as to why they capitulated. Um, But they also didn't manage to succeed really very much with that either. FA Cup glory evaded them in the semi-finals. The one thing they did go on to win that season, though, so it wasn't all lost, was the UEFA Cup. They beat AZ Alkmaar in the final. So that was my pick, Ipswich Town, 1980-81 season. Well, we can't talk about this, can we, without talking about Newcastle in 95-96, ending, of course, um, with Manchester United taking that title. So in a complete switch, really, uh, to what Hayley mentioned earlier. And I'll just mention this very quickly before I go on to my main one, because I do like to shoehorn in at least a couple of examples, as poor Lindsay Hooper knows. But yeah, Newcastle had a 12-point lead over Manchester United in mid-January before. Um, That was uh, reduced down somewhat. Kevin Keegan, towards the end of the season, did his famous, I love it, I will love it, uh, speech. Um, Uh, And uh, in the end, they ended four points behind Manchester United. But, in fact, I'm going to mention Germany quite a few times in this podcast. I think I've fallen in love with German football. I just love it at the moment. I find it really exciting. Um, I'm going to have to get myself over to visit Simona in Germany to take in some more games. Bayer Leverkusen, 2001 to 2002. Now... In the Bundesliga, a run of five successive wins had put Bayern seven points clear prior to their final four games. So four games to go, seven points clear. Looks quite cushy. This was a side that had Michael Ballack, Dimitar Berbatov, uh, Lucio in it, uh, and they looked odds on for the title. However, second place Dortmund, with a game in hand, took advantage. Uh, Bayern claimed just one point from their next three games, so it all started to go wrong in the league. A week later, they were beaten 4-2 by Schalke in their domestic cup final. So the league started to go wrong. They'd lost out uh, in the uh, domestic cup final. Four days after that, they were defeated 2-1 by Real Madrid in the Champions League final. Uh, This is what's known as, and I need some German translation here, it's known as a treble horror. I haven't had time to look up what it would be known as in Germany. Now, before the season, no one really expected much from Bayer Leverkusen. Um, and they tried to big it up towards the end of the season while saying, well, we did reach the final. We did do well in the Champions League. We did nearly win the league. To lose out on the German title, the Domestic League Cup and in the Champions League, all in the space of 11 days, should provide warning to those people who uh, already think it's sewn up for some teams out there. I'm going to throw in another German bit because I looked up chokers. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> in football. And Bayern Munich came up really high. Now, Simona, you're talking about uh, our Bundesliga expert. She isn't going to like me for pointing this one out because she's a big, big fan. But seeming as they're going so strong this year, here is something for you about them choking in Europe. So Bayern Munich, bearing in mind they're a side that have won 22 Bundesliga titles since it began in 63. European Cup four times, but they are the biggest chokers in the European Cup because when it comes to it, they've lost five European Cup finals, the most in the competition, along with Juventus and Benfica. And they've been, well, the worst thing about all of that is they went into four finals as favourites and then combusted. Mm. So we see their run in the Champions League this year when I've tipped them from the start to go and win it and I'm thinking maybe I should go and get my money back. Hi, I'm Eddie Jenkins from TalkSport. Yeah, and I'm Paul Hawksby from TalkSport. And you're listening to the Offside Rule podcast. Well, enough of that before I actually upset Simona enough that she won't do our podcast anymore. Uh, we have three players from abroad next. This is where we can redeem ourselves with some German players, I reckon, girls. Um, three players that play in any league abroad that you would like to see in the English top flight in the Premier League. I think we might have some repetition on one player, or I expect us to. But maybe not, because you're both looking like, actually, I don't think we will. Uh, who would like to start? Show of hands. Or, no, actually, we're going to do buzzer noises this time. <laughs> you have to make your noise. <laughs> oh, that's Hayley. <laughs> the best buzzer I ever heard. Um, I didn't even have a chance. Yeah, Kate couldn't even get words out before I dived in, grabbing the microphone off Lindsay with my stupid noise. I was just going to scream really, really loudly and hope she just handed it to me out of fear. <laughs> and by the way, Simona, me and Kate still love you. Minor talents that are maybe yet undiscovered or haven't been put into the huge spotlight yet. One of them certainly isn't. One of them is a name that's out there right now. The other two are very, very young indeed, but players that I have actually at least seen play football because there's some that you read about and you think, oh, this guy sounds good and that guy sounds good and various clubs in the Premier League are linked to them and you think, oh, yeah, he's brilliant. You start to have chats with your friends from articles that you've read, but it is quite nice when you have managed to see some of these players uh, in action. I think we mentioned Germany, didn't we, already? Um, Spotlight very, very very much on them at the moment with their dominance in Europe with Pep Guardiola going out there to Bayern Munich with the overhaul of the youth system after that disastrous Euro 2000 things change in 2002 we're sort of 11 years on from then the kids that were coming up through various schools and academies uh, faced a very different way of uh, being brought up through academy systems and placed within teams in Germany and we're starting to see the fruits of that now uh, that is for sure I am going to start with uh, a young man uh, Borussia Dortmund Mario Goetze number 10 already one of the best players players uh, in Germany. It seems just a matter of time before I think we're talking about him in the FIFA World Player uh, of the Year as a candidate for there. An exceptional passer. He can dribble. He's fast. He can finish. He can take free kicks. He can cross. He literally can do anything asked of him. He's like a mini robot. Is Well, he's not so mini, but um, he's a young robot. Uh, for an attacking midfielder, he really does have a lot of pace. He's almost like a Paul Scholes-type character. Maybe not with, when it comes to the tackling, but sure I'd like... Does. Yeah, obviously more of an attacking player um, as opposed to like a defensive midfielder. But I would like to see him maybe slotted into the Manchester United side. Uh, that's for sure. So that's just uh, one of mine. I think he's a really exciting player. His name is very much already out there and it has been exciting watching him uh, this season. I didn't know too much about um, Borussia Dortmund. Obviously, we know who the team are and you've kind of seen them quietly go about their business. But when you start to see the strong players that they have in their side and just how they are playing in Europe, they really are a joy to watch. My next one, I have mentioned him actually. He's a French player playing in Spain and Zinedine Zidane is a massive, massive fan of him. Raphael Varane. 
He is sublime. He was recommended by Zidane from Lens, Lens for a fee of about £9 million. Uh, there was competition from Manchester United, but he told the president at Real Madrid, Florentino Perez, that he would be the finest French centre-back since Laurent Blanc. This is what Zinedine Zidane had said. He didn't expect it to happen as quickly as it did. This kid literally signed for Real Madrid and within a season or two, he was absolutely ruling the roost. Pepe got injured. Sergio Ramos suspended. He started the season behind Raul Albiol in the pecking order, also behind Carvalho. He was almost sort of fifth choice, I guess you could say, uh, in his position. But the end of January, he appeared. He played his first ever game. He also played against Barcelona. The spotlight was well and truly on him. By the time of the final whistle, he'd cleared one off the line, two interceptions against Lionel Messi, one against Cesc Fabricas. He'd also headed in the equaliser, towering above the defence to score. And he got Madrid's third in the second leg as well of that one. So he rounded off a 3-1 victory. Uh, I mean, that is just unbelievable. He literally went from nothing to something. I'd heard of him from... Uh, Rhiannon and from uh, Kay Murray both working at Real Madrid so we knew uh, a little bit about him but he is a a real exciting big tall strong centre half. (laughs) My third and final one is uh, Max Mayer of Schalke an attacking midfielder again I'm loving my midfielders I think there's a lack of real attacking midfielders in the Premier League at the moment so I'd like to see him starting it maybe he'd be one for Liverpool perhaps young 17 year old but he has achieved unbelievable things at youth level. He was part of Germany's under-17 squad, the UEFA European 2012 Championships. He scored three goals and helped them reach the final. They lost it in a penalty shootout to the Netherlands. They actually lost the German side. There you have it. Nevertheless, he was a, he was a top scorer and he also won a Player of the Tournament awards uh, as well. Um, in the 2012-2013 season, so most recently, he played 15 matches for the under-19, scoring 11 goals with 11 assists. He's only five foot six, but he has the rare ability of being able to use both feet. He scores with his left, scores with his right, and the passing with his left is equally as beautiful with his right. So he's a real versatile player uh, when it comes to that. Utilises space effectively as well. Haven't seen too much of him play, but I have seen a lot about him, and I think he's an exciting one. Unproven at senior level, but I think he could make it big. In my days of being a pool shark, that's what I worked on, was using it with your left and your right. (laughs) Uh, Kate... Now, I'm going to go German heavy as well on this one because I, a bit like Hayley, I'm really inspired by what's going on uh, over in Germany and in the Bundesliga too. But I'm going to start my travels up in Scotland because, of course, we could have any league and any country. Now, this isn't a player who I think is going to make the FIFA World Eleven or anything, but I'd like to see him ply his trade in the Premier League and see how he gets on. What people forget is that he's only 21 still. Victor Wanyama is the player that I'm talking about, brought to my attention uh, really because he scored the first goal in Celtic's 2-1 win over Barcelona back in November. Um, A great win, of course. What I like about him, now people may criticise players in in the SPL for not really being up to the grade of the Premier League and so it's not really a direct comparison. But I have to say, as far as Wanyama's concerned, where he's impressed me most really uh, is in European competition and that's why I think he will make that transition over. He's very consistent, he's a defensive midfielder um, and he can play as a centre-back too and Sir Alex Ferguson's been to go and see him in person and I think if we're looking at that holding 
midfield role, perhaps coming in for Carrick maybe. Um, he could be a very good contender. He's very robust. He's very strong. Um, also plays for the Kenyan national team. In fact, he was the first Kenyan to score in the Champions League. There you go. Box-to-box midfielder, um, skilled at holding up the play with his strength. Um, really good tackling as well. Very calm on the ball, ball, so very composed. I think what sets him aside really is his physical attributes and his strength. Um, now, not only has Sir Fergie been to go and see him, but apparently Arsenal have sent scouts to go and see him. And he's been linked with various clubs, uh, Spurs too. His agent released a statement last year, actually, back in October, saying that uh, Wanyama had turned down an improved contract offer from Celtic, saying that his uh, wage demands couldn't be met. Uh, obviously, nothing happened in the January transfer window. But I would expect him at the age of 21 to make the move uh, down to the Premier League very soon. Now, here's where we go German. So both Haley and I have been shopping in Germany and at the same football clubs as it so happens. First player I want to mention, Marco Royce, uh, plays alongside Mario Götze at Dortmund. Now Dortmund are lying second in, in the Bundesliga, but they are quite some way behind Bayern uh, Munich. What do I love about uh, Royce? Well, he is um, a right winger. But he can play on either side through the middle. Great ball control, can play with both feet. And he is, he's classic, he's classic German. He's very efficient too. Now, as Haley mentioned, the German youth side went into meltdown. And prior to the 2006 World Cup, which was on German soil, the Bundesliga was, was really struggling to produce homegrown domestic talent. That's completely changed now. And really, Dortmund are at the forefront of producing young talent like Goethe and like Robert Lewandowski as well. Um, uh, Royce is you know, slick, he's stylish, he's fast, he's 23, so he's a relative newcomer. Um, he's been in really good form this season as well. I really like the look of him, I really like Dortmund as well. So that's Marco Royce from me. I had a bit of a... Um a bit of a conundrum for the next one. I also had a look at Schalke, Julian Draxler for them, can, can 19 year old. Your conundrum means you can only have one. <laughs> I am only going to have one, but I did have a bit of a conundrum. Um, I did look at Schalke's Julian Draxler, so we might have had identical uh, teams to pick from there, Haley. But in the end, I went for a player who I've seen uh, in live action, Zerdan Shakiri, 21 years old. Um, he's Swiss and he was a big, important uh, part of that Basel side. He beat Manchester United in the Champions League last season. He had two assists assists in that game against Manchester United. Basel won the game 2-1. I didn't want to remind you too much of that, Hayley, but I'm, I, I have bought it up nonetheless. Uh, he doesn't start every game. He was bought from Basel for 11.6 million euros uh, playing for Bayern Munich now. I think that's an absolute steal as far as Bayern goes. And, and look, he may not play every game, but he's got such potential. He really, really has. I watched him play in the game that was England's final Euro 2012 qualifier at Wembley. They played Switzerland. Uh, in fact, England were two nil down after 35 minutes and Shakiri had a good game in that game. England went on to draw it to all but Shakiri had some really impressive chances and wherever I looked he seemed to be busying himself there. Um, he's a winger, um, one definitely to watch out for, Zerdan Shakiri. So I've given you free reign, any players to bring to the Premier League and neither of you chose my first one on the sheet, Lionel Messi. Oh. Oh. I, just, I just thought it was a little bit predictable. Oh, no, well, I've gone predictable all the way. I was going to go with Manuel Neuer. I'd like to see him as well. We all know my love for Wesley Schneider, but I think he's a little bit old. He's nearer my age. Falcao too, I thought, but I, I yeah. <laughs> well, you've had your turns. My turn now. Uh, Lionel Messi, who doesn't want to see the four-time successive, might I add, World Player of the Year in the Premier League. The blistering pace, the fact that he's got glue on his 
feet with that football. I've never seen anything like it. Um, I just thought, you know, the, the world would be a better place for me if Messi was in the Premier League. I'd put him perhaps... See, whoever I give him means that they would go on to win the league, wouldn't they, really, with Messi in the squad? Who would I give him to? I think I'd give him Chelsea. Really? Yeah. Well, I just see him sw- slotting in with the matter and... Is that because he would be in London and then we would get to see him? Yes, that was why. <laughs> that was the reasoning. I think I might give him to Spurs. I think that would make Spurs oh, really yeah. interesting. OK. Um, and then I've gone on from Messi. Again, quite predictable. Um, I'm going to bring in Neymar. Oh, I love him as a player. And because I've gone for my youth card there, he has a goal in every two games at the moment in the top flight in Brazil, playing for Santos. 102 appearances, 54 goals already. This man is a machine. If I had Neymar, I'd bring him up. I'd give him you. OK, I'll give him Liverpool. Oh, thanks. OK. And then Ozil. I love Ozil. Um, I think he has been one of the key players from Real Madrid over the last couple of seasons. And it's most notable, a little bit like Alonso, what I said with you with uh, with Liverpool when he left, when he's not playing, they are just a lesser side. Um, he had the most assists in the 2011-12 season and he's well on his way to having the most assists again this season. He is integral. He's the playmaker. He's what it all works around. And it was a little bit of a shock to see him playing like that for Real Madrid for me but I think he's been brilliant Uh, he's the heart of the Real Madrid side and if I had him and brought him into the Premier League I probably would put him in a side like Arsenal. He really came to the fore for me at the World Cup 2010 in South Africa he just kind of arrived out of nowhere although I know he didn't but it felt like he arrived out of nowhere he just bossed that German side whenever he was playing he looked so strong. So that's it we've done our three players from abroad Hayley what would you like to say? But on a realistic note, (laughs) this is just hypothetical, although all those things could actually happen, um, Ronaldo, Cristiano, back to Manchester United. And I do think it's going to happen. I've just got a really funny feeling it will happen. There you have it. There you go. Mystic Hayley. Mystic Hayley. We'll go on to Mystic Faye now, who's going to tell us exactly, she's going to tell us for real, though, what's been happening in the non-league. What have you got? Thanks, ladies. Well, the race for promotion's getting exciting in the Blue Square Bet Premier. Tuesday night's top of the table clash between Wrexham and Mansfield, though, had to be postponed because of waterlogging. So Kidderminster took advantage. And as I record this, they're top after beating Newport 2-1. They're level on points with Mansfield ahead on goal difference. It leaves Newport fourth, but they still have two games in hand over the top five. Grimsby still up there. That's despite losing 1-0 to Nuneaton, which moves them out of the relegation places. And I'm pleased to say it was three points to the Hatters of Luton after they beat their fellow Hatters Stockport 1-0. Macclesfield still pushing to make the playoffs. They're six points off now after beating AFC Telford 2-1, who are still rooted to the bottom of the table. Elsewhere, Ebbsfleet drew one all with Cambridge. Tamworth beat Southport. Woking drew with Braintree. And Barrow boosted their survival hopes by beating Dartford. Gateshead beat Hereford 3-2 but spare a thought for Gateshead because they have four games in the space of a week with fixtures left against Newport, Dartford and Grimsby to come as I speak. Now I know you're talking about footballers with hidden talents in a minute so I'm going to put my two penneth in and mention AFC Telford striker Jake Reed. I'll thank Five Live's wonderful non-league show host Caroline Barker for this as she uh, alerted me to it but Jake's directed a gangster film called The Antwerp Dog it's due out this year I'll uh, put a link to the trailer on Twitter so have a look out for that and you can also listen to uh, the non-league shows podcast as well uh, because they did an interview with him a few weeks ago and I'll bring you more non-league news next week 
the female take on football. Thank you very much, Faye. We now know what's been going on non-league. It should be quite an exciting crescendo to the season in many leagues this uh, this year. Uh, we're going to deviate away, though, for a second for our third topic. We always go a bit more light-hearted. So before we get to Twitter topic of the week, which I'm obviously really looking forward to this week, <laughs> um, let's talk hidden talents for footballers. I loved this topic. I have to say, girls, I didn't know that so many footballers had brilliant other skills. So who should we start with? Noise alert, noise alert. Awooga! <laughs> well, I've got him first, so unlucky girls. Um, also, I was holding the microphone. You never stood a chance. Um, starting with Clint Dempsey, who is a rap star. He's a rapper. I've actually listened to that. It, it's not bad, actually, I have to say. It isn't bad. I actually went onto YouTube. Um, I'm going to tell you now, so as you're listening, you can go onto YouTube and check it out. His, his rapping name, by the way, is Juice. Um, and the track is Don't Tread. It is really good. He's actually not a bad rapper. Hayley's looking at me in complete disbelief. Don't tread on me juice, man. <laughs> do the Bart man. That's what I'd like to see him do. Um, and I couldn't not do a footballer with hidden talents and not pick Jodie Craddock, yes, Wolves of player, course. of course. Um, he is a brilliant artist, Bromsgrove born and bred, not that that comes into anything. Um, he's got his own website, craddock-art.com, which you can go and see. Self-taught, he did A-level art, but his paintings now, landscape and portraits, are selling for £500 plus each one. I'm you, giving him a sell. Are you on commission or something? <laughs> yeah, and maybe you'll do me one. But loads of Premier League footballers have bought their own ones. Did you know that? I saw that. I saw that he's, he's done David Beckham, Bobby Robson, Theo Walcott, even Ricky Hatton wanted a painting of himself done by Jodie Craddock. It's just really weird, but they're brilliant. I was really surprised. I thought this is going to be one of those April Fool's things where they bring out this wonderful work of art by a footballer and then tell you it's not even his, but it is. He's very good, and that's how he makes his living, I think, now. Um, and then on to the third one, which quite fitting for me, considering that mine is so fresh and only been on my skin just a few months. I'm talking tattoos, by the way. Um, Daniel Agar. He's a qualified tattoo artist. And Kate's nodding along because you've got that one too. I have. And, uh, of course, he's a big fan of body art anyway. Do you think if Liverpool actually wins something, he would ink up the whole of the Liverpool squad with, like, a matching tat? He actually does it on himself. He does self-tats. Ooh, Ooh, I couldn't do that. I can't (laughs) self-wax. That's another story. Uh, Those are my three then. So Clint Dempsey, Jodie Craddock and Daniel Agger. Um, I'm going to go over to Hayley McQueen next. Yeah, I had Jodie Craddock as well, so I will just go with my two. Although I could point out that Rio Ferdinand used to be a ballerina. What? No, he did. He actually studied, but he loved ballets. And he even says now, if you ask him in an interview, helped with his balance and everything. He loved it. It's cool. Right, Manuel Almunia. It isn't a hidden talent, but it's a really weird hobby, OK? <laughs> He's a self-confessed World War II buff. Right? Oh. Yeah. He can't get enough of World War II. The Spaniard... <laughs> immersing himself into World War II. <laughs> Funny that. So he, he watched a couple of war films a few years back and just became absolutely fascinated. There's a picture of him and he's at East Finchley, um, I think it's East Finchley, um, Cinema, The Phoenix or something like that, um, to see the newly released Boy in the Stripe pyjamas. When you Google him, this comes up. So I had gone on a search engine and he'd, he'd gone to this and done a big interview uh, all about it. And in fact, he has such an interest... 
that he took his missus on holiday to sort of various camps all around Germany and has gone to beaches. And yeah, his brother, though, actually, is a serving soldier with the Spanish army and a UN peacekeeper in Kosovo as well. So you can kind of see where he gets uh, that from. But his, his poor missus was taken to the beaches in Normandy. And uh, yeah, has a bit of has a bit of holiday, so I found that quite funny as well. My other one is that uh, Stuart Downing is a DJ. He actually DJs. He hasn't just done it as a one-off. He's uh, dabbled in actually going to clubs behind a box, taking his own music and playing the tunes. I don't know what his DJ name is. I should have found that out, really. It's just Downing. But there's a place in Middlesbrough called the Purple Onion, which is where I used to go to years ago. It's probably horrific now, but he did used to actually DJ there and there used to be sort of posters up all around the town in Middlesbrough about, you know, a night with Stuart Downing. You'd think you're going to a Q&A with a footballer and you're getting hard house. Are we talking... Oh, hard house. I was just going to say, are we talking funky house, hard house... What's... I think it's Funky House, actually. And did you know, too, that he has played in Eden, in Ibiza? Yeah. He goes to Ibiza every summer. And Johnny, Jonathan Woodgate, who I think is his brother-in-law, because, in fact, Stuart Downing's sister is going out this with... This is getting far yeah. too this is getting, this is getting far too close. We're all a bit incest, incestuous up there in the northeast, but it's fine. That's how we like to keep it. But his, um, yeah, of course, both obviously played at Middlesbrough at one point. Well, Jonathan Woodgate still claim to say that he does um, his girlfriend is Stuart Downing's sister and they all holiday together in Ibiza and DJ and have DJ parties ah. there you go you know those unsuspecting characters Stuart Downing DJ in Ibiza look at him folks look him up look at his features does he look like the kind of man playing happy house or funky house whatever <laughs> oh it is God, I'm standing about so 40 like the sort of footballer to play happy house, funky house, in the likes of Ibiza, yours sincerely, Edna Sharples, Barnsley. All righty. So, did you know that Sebastian Squalacci plays a bit of football in his spare time? <laughs> I'm going to mention Andre Arshavin, who actually studied fashion at college. Now, he's tried to style it out a bit, saying that that was where the, all, the, all the attractive girls were. But I think he's got a penchant for women's fashion. Well, I'm thinking, yeah, he probably had to go and study fashion because none of the clothes in regular shops would fit him apart from the boys' stuff. So he'd have to make his own. That's, that's what it is, isn't it? Come on, let's get real. Still wearing 13 to 14 years old, Andre Arshavin. Uh, yes, yeah, so he studied the topic, graduated with a diploma in fashion design, having written a thesis on sportswear production. There you go. Uh, the other one I want to mention, Paul Sharner. Crazy in every way, isn't he? I still can't get over his uh, transfer coat. Anyway, he's something of an adrenaline junkie, um, as if you can't tell by his random hairstyles. But uh, he likes a few crazy pastimes, uh, bungee jumping, parachuting, water skiing. Now, it's, I wonder if he's actually allowed to do these within his contract, but I, I think he has done a few. How do you fancy seeing Paul Sharner in one of those bungee suits? You know, like a like, like 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 a whole bungee morph suit zipped up around the head, jumping off some bridge over a river in a very extreme way. Uh, so there we go. Football is hidden talents. Okay, we'll come back for Twitter topic of the week. First, we're going to catch up on all things La Liga, and Rhiannon Jones is going to fill us in. Hola, chicas. Here's a quick roundup of La Liga. Barcelona re-established their 13-point lead at the top of the table with a 3-1 win over Rayo Vallecano at the weekend. The bad news for the Catalans is that Adriano looks set to be out for up to six weeks with a hamstring injury picked up in that clash. He's likely to miss both legs of their Champions League quarterfinal tie with PSG. 
Real Madrid keep a hold on second spot following their victory over Mallorca at the Bernabeu. Another spectacular goal from Luka Modric, his third from outside the box, was the highlight of the 5-2 comeback. Some tactical half-time changes from Jose Mourinho saw the Whites turn around a 2-1 deficit with three goals scored in just over five minutes. I caught up with Modric after the game and asked him about Real Madrid's next Champions League opponents, Galatasaray. He said the team's happy with the draw but warned it won't be easy, especially with the threat of Drogba and Schneider. Both coaches are already doing their homework with Fatih Terim at the Bernabeu and Jose Mourinho in Turkey over the weekend. Elsewhere in La Liga, Atletico Madrid moved back to within a point of their cross-city rivals thanks to a 2-0 victory over Osasuna. Real Sociedad moved into the fourth Champions League place with a convincing 4-1 victory over Real Valladolid and Malaga after becoming the third Spanish side to progress to the quarterfinals of the Champions League suffered a 2-0 defeat at home to Espanyol in La Primera. Meanwhile, at the bottom of the table, Deportivo were given a slight boost in their battle against relegation with a 3-1 victory over Celta Vigo at the Riazor. That's it for now. For any Real Madrid fans listening, you can keep up to date on the Whites by following me on Twitter at Rhiannon C. W. Jones. Speak to you soon. Adios. Hi, this is Kirsty Gallagher, and I love the Offside Rule podcast. Thank you very much, Rhiannon. And I'm going to hand over hosting duties for this one because Twitter Topic of the Week came from Kate Borsay, and I'm not going to take any ownership of it, and I'm certainly not going to say what inspired it. So over to you. Well, I couldn't help but see a tweet from Chris Kamara saying, in a very Chris Kamara type of way, you're not going to believe this. They're rather unbelievable, Jeff. It's you're not going to believe this own goal when you see it. A back pass from Davis goes through the keeper's legs. It was Bristol City 1. Up Now, I'm talking about the game between Wolves and Bristol City, which Wolves won, by the way. Oh, no. This is the important bit. This is the only reason I can deal with this topic <laughs> this week is that we actually won. Critical game, three points. We still have sides in our sights, and I'm just hoping that we can just get through this season. Well, it didn't start well because um, a bit of a bizarre own goal from David oh. Davis put Bristol City ahead when the Wolves goalkeeper, Carla Keme, let the back pass through his legs. It was a bit of a howler. So we put the topic out there to you folks, your most craziest, bizarre, most costly own goals. And you came in in your droves with YouTube clips, might I add. So if you want to check these out, have a look at the retweets um, on our Twitter account at Offside Rule Pod. Uh, Linda's got a few of the best ones. I have. Before I get to those, Hayley, had you got one to add in? Throw in to the mix and own goal? I have, just cause. How times have changed. It just sums up how times have changed very quickly. Uh, back in 1998, QPR stayed up. They were fighting relegation and Manchester City were relegated and it all hinged on a game that finished 2 all. and Jamie Pollock... Do you remember him? Got an own goal. He played for Middlesbrough. I remember this quite well. He played for Borough a few seasons after, uh, a few seasons before he played for uh, Manchester City. Um, they went ahead in the first minute. QPR equalised. He scored. It was a jaw-dropping own goal. It was quite spectacular. Flicking it over his opponent. <laughs> Everybody. If it was a goal that you were trying to go for, it would have been classed as sublime. The game actually finished 2 all. Uh, City relegated to Division 2 for the first time in their history. And QPR, yeah, they actually survived thanks to Jamie Pollock and that own goal but yeah how times have changed hey Jamie Pollock was mentioned a few times on the Twitter account at Offside Rule Pod, but let me whistle through. I know Kate's got one to add as well. A few that were suggested. Tom Whittemore, first of all. Ian Dowie, West Ham versus Stockport. An unopposed free header into the bottom corner. Another own goal worth mentioning. Uh, Kieran got in touch as well, saying nothing beats Chris Bratt's own goal from a few years back and there is a YouTube 
It's spectacular, honestly. It's spectacular. It hits him on the head um, and then uh, touches his leg and then he knocks it into the goal. It, it, it was just a real howler. It's really funny. That was the York versus Darlington game, actually. There is a YouTube video out there and Johnny Gallagher got in touch about that as well. It's because it deflects off his own face. Yes. Yes, is that the one? Uh, also, uh, we had Johnny Gallagher get in touch again. Uh, Alan Smith, Wolves versus Leeds. It's a cracker. Good to see one the other way. Not us scoring it. Um, Six Music Chris said, presenting Mr. Wayne Hatswell. I have to just encourage you to YouTube that. It is a very good watch. A particularly <laughs> bad own goal. Uh, Kenny Sampson's bullet header, David Whiteside said. Um, we had Mark Hutchinson get in touch saying Lee Dixon versus Coventry in 1991. A superb finish. <laughs> <laughs> we work with Mark. <laughs> um, so Mark got in touch. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Richard Buxton as well. Michael Proctor's hat-trick of own goals in seven minutes. That has That's to be that has to be a record, surely. Mm. Pretty disastrous. Uh, so thank you for that. And I love uh, Rookery Mike for getting in touch with this one because it's a game that belonged to one man. Michael Dubry scored two own goals when playing for Oxford and then bagged a last-minute equaliser. <laughs> oh, that is quite brilliant. <laughs> Kate? yours? Well, this was a contentious one. If you say 2005 and Liverpool, you think of the Champions League. But what we forget is that Liverpool reached the League Cup final against Chelsea. And at the time, all the talk was about Steven Gerrard going to Chelsea. So how awfully unfortunate was it that Steven Gerrard scored an own goal against Chelsea in the League Cup final, which Liverpool then went on to lose? Of course, some Liverpool fans and the papers were full of speculation for this, but it was an absolute howler of a goal. And it still, it actually says now, it still gives him nightmares. And of course, Liverpool went on to win the Champions League, but yeah, a very contentious goal at the time. I just want to have a little mention, because Mario Balotelli is now completely off subject, he's now left the Premier League, hasn't he? And we were very upset because every week he got a mention, didn't he? The Italian League, six weeks ago. He has played in six games and he has scored seven goals. He single-handedly, with his goals, got them winning points on three occasions. But imagine he was doing that at Manchester City. We'd probably have a very different discussion about Mario Balotelli. Unfortunately, it was all the off-pitch stuff, which we loved because it made for great stories. I really hope he, he isn't turning into the new Adebayor. You know, switch it on when you want, switch it off when you don't yeah. need to. Because if I see that in a player and I know that they have the ability to and then they don't perform, it does drive me crazy. Um, but good to see that he's doing well and hopefully he will continue to. Uh, well, that was our Twitter topic of the week. You can see another at Offside Rule Pod um, for all the details this week. I want to give a plug as well where you can listen to us, SoundCloud, iTunes. You can subscribe to the whole season and bat listen. A lot of pe- people getting in touch saying they're listening to old ones. Remember, you can, of course, tweet us as well, but don't be going all Peter Odd and Wingy on us. We don't want any essays and rants, but feel free to give us your opinions on things that we can improve on and things that you like. And definitely don't turn up in person. <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> Thank you very much for another week. We'll be back next week, out every Thursday. Bye for now. Bye, bye. Au revoir. The Offside Rule. We get it. With Lindsay Hooper, Hayley McQueen and Kate Borsay. Produced by Sarah Grun. 